Hey, and welcome to futurethinkers.org, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and consciousness. I'm Mike Gilliland. And I'm Yuvia Ivanova. If you're new to the show and you want to get a list of our favorite books, popular episodes, and to join our community, go to futurethinkers.org start. Hey, and welcome back to Future Thinkers. Today, we're doing an update about our Smart Village project. We found an awesome new property and we're close to finalizing the purchase. We're opening up another fundraising round and have room for one or two additional investors. So if this is something you're interested in, go to futurethinkers.org invest for more information. Before we get into this episode, there's a quick announcement. I'm co-organizing an online festival for regenerative and smart village builders called Rebuild, which will happen from April 30th to May 2nd. And we're bringing on lots of awesome speakers for some interactive and practical sessions. Among them are Nora Bateson, Jordan Hall, Daniel Christian Wall, Jim Rutt, Richard Bartlett, Miriam Martineau, Tyson Yunkamporta, and James Ehrlich. You can register at futurethinkers.org rebuild. And if you use the code FUTUREThinkers, all one word in all caps, at checkout, you can get 10% off. All the early bird tickets are already sold out, so register now so you don't miss out. All right, let's get into the Smart Village update. Hey guys, welcome back. So it's been a while. Um, we have so much to update you on, so much going on. Um, you know, when whenever we don't do a podcast episode for a while, it's because some sort of project is happening behind the scenes and uh, we're getting ready to kind of put it out there into the world. So that's what's happening right now. We have found another awesome property. So if you're not familiar already, the, the last property that we were getting ready to buy, we got right up to the line the day of um, closing and um, you know taking the conditions off, we lost the property. And um, that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because we found this new awesome property. And um, it's a 400 acre um, resort, RV park, golf course, and it's got something like 350 roughly acres of buildable land for us to build a smart village on. So why don't you take it from here and kind of talk about more about this property. Yeah, so this property is located only two hours from the nearest airport, which is Kamloops, BC, Canada. Um, so it's really accessible. Um, the road to get there is really good. It's paved and serviced all year round. Um, the property has really good infrastructure, which is something that I really like. So we're not you know, starting from scratch. Um, it has two very large septic tanks. Uh, the previous um, owner who developed it um, actually initially was going to do a big resort and restaurant so they built this you know infrastructure that was meant to accommodate way more people than it's currently accommodating so there's so much room for growth um, without having to add additional infrastructure and it already has power and water and um, it's already an existing business model and currently it's a golf course and rv park yeah actually we we almost skipped it too well we did skip it for mm -hmm. a while because we heard about this property way back when we were investigating the first one and we were kind of like i don't know it's it's interesting but we don't really care about neither of us are golfers we don't really care about golf courses um and it turned out that you know we needed to expand our horizons a little bit beyond the region we were looking in so this property came up again my sister sent me a link to it we checked it out and it turned out it was really perfect in a lot of ways and the golf course part of it um, in my opinion, like it's established, it was it was started in something like the 1960s or mm -hmm. something like that, so super old. 
and it just kind of fit in. It's a beautiful piece of land. Um, my parents and my family are going to come into it and help run uh, the RV and the golf course portion. The RV portion is really cool because we can build and bring people onto the property um, to help us build more and they have a place to stay. Um, and if you bring up your van or if you bring an RV, you can stay there and help us build. So there are a lot of kind of like random uh, sort of, we had to investigate deeper to see why this would, uh, why this would end up working for us. Yeah, so the because of the RV park, we can actually accommodate a lot of people at the start and can hold events, um, you know, with a lot more people. So, uh, and there's actually this um, huge field there too that would be perfect for any kind of outdoor festivals or concerts. There's a private lake, there's two creeks, um, and it's really beautiful. And there's there's also a huge forest and lots of buildable area. So I feel like we need to jump in a little bit to why we're doing this project. Um, we've defined this in the past, but like as we have more conversations and as we're searching more, this gets a lot more resolution, a lot more depth to it. So from your perspective, why are we doing this thing? What do you think are the problems out there that it solves? Well, to me, this is a lab for regenerative civilization design. That's kind of how I call it. And I know it's a bit wordy, but the fun part of it is that it's a lab. We're going to be running experiments and trying things. You know, we're not pretending to know what is the right way to go about it, but that's, that's the exciting part. Um, and the problems that it solves uh, in my mind is that city living has become increasingly unsustainable and cities are polluted, they're crowded, you know, and with COVID now have become increasingly less viable as places to live. And supply chains have, you know, proven to be very fragile um, with things being shipped from across the world instead of more local and bioregional. Um, what about for you? What are some of the kind of big problems that this solves? Well, actually, the, I'm seeing opportunities kind of brought in from tech. So we have big data, we have artificial intelligence, we have blockchain, we have 3D printing, we have CNC machines, we have all kinds of automated methods of production. Um, we have Starlink internet, um, which is gonna help bring really fast fiber speed internet to rural areas. So, and then there's like the, the other stuff we were talking about, VTOLs, vertical takeoff and landing drone helicopters that will like tr physically transport a person from one place to another. So there's all these kind of converging technologies all at once that are making rural living a lot more practical and enjoyable. And with so many people due to COVID working online, there's a lot of reason to just step out of the city and do something like this. So yeah, there's a lot of problems, but I also see this as a major, major opportunity um, because of so many coalescing things happening all at once this year. Yeah, exactly. And for me, the huge opportunities are health and living in community and living more purposefully. Um, you know, for me, at least, um, living in a city is just has always been a struggle to be healthy in the ways that that are meaningful for me. Um, you know, spending time in nature, breathing clean air, eating food that you grow yourself, being surrounded by by a small close-knit community of people that you know and raising children together with other parents. Um, those things have become increasingly more difficult in cities. And uh, in rural areas, it's 
you know, it's a lot more viable. So yeah, for me, health is a huge factor here too. I brought this concept up called regenerative stigmergy on the podcast before. Um, I, and I've talked about it so many times in our group calls as well. This idea that the agent in the arena, the person and their environment uh, mutually shape each other. Yeah. And that we in the Western society tend to think that we are our own sovereign little bubbles of, of intelligence and we're perfectly aware of everything around us and our internal processes. And we don't necessarily always have awareness of how our environment shapes our cognition and our decision making and our health. And so we've been really exploring this idea a lot on the podcast for the last five years at least. And this idea that you can kind of hack your own biology and hack your own psychological state and and hack your health by arranging your environment and creating consciousness tripwires that set you up for success. So certain things would be like, um, you know, rather than living in your your suburban castle where you have all the things that you need um, and there's actually no need for you to step outside into the real world, you would shrink that down to you've got your living space, you've got your bedroom, you've got your maybe office when you need private time. But most of the other things that you need would be in kind of a more communal shared space. And those communal shared spaces can also be arranged and organized in a way that creates more social cohesion or more opportunities for bumping into each other and creating like community and not in a forced way. Like you can also build those communal spaces to have a bit of privacy or have different functions. And when everyone's pooling their resources together, um, you have a lot more access to higher end uh, tools or environments. or just more facilities, like you can have a shared spa, for example. Yeah, which, childcare is another thing that's yeah. super easy when you have big thing, big kind of communal environments like that. It's nothing to be like, hey, can you watch my kid for an hour or something while I get something done? Mm-hmm. Uh, so much easier and in that environment. And the other thing is like the digital nomad thing, um, bringing in more people who work online and have more open schedules um, into an environment like this. It, it just um, there's less of an obligation to be in a city and be, you know, be living in an environment that caters to industry rather than people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You were saying about the spa thing too. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, when you pool resources together, you can have um, shared facilities that you may not be able to, you know, have, you may not be able to afford if you're just doing it on your own, or you would have to make a lot more money to be able to afford to have that um, at your disposal. So it's kind of like, a, you know, in a condo building, you might have a shared pool or spa. Uh, but here you would have that in a village setting. Another part of this that I think is really important is the housing crisis. So housing is getting increasingly expensive. Yeah. Um, it's built in ways that, you know, have been done since the 70s. Houses like housing innovation hasn't really changed in the Western world. And there's plenty of opportunity to have more sustainable houses, more carbon neutral or negative houses, um, using more re- renewable local materials. So I've been diving into this idea of hempcrete timber frame houses. And then we've also been doing a lot of research on Airbnb experiences. So like these beautiful A-frame cabins and geodesic domes and these sorts of environments that people go to to get an experience could actually become our day-to-day living reality. Yeah. And, you know, if we look at some of the building materials that people used before the 20th century, um, you can see that a lot of them are a lot less costly and they last a lot longer. 
and they, you know, they're breathable, they're fireproof, they're earthquake proof. And you wonder why we, we are building houses with, you know, plywood and sticks. And actually, historically, um, we found out that it was after the war that um, there was a huge need for housing. So they figured out this way of building housing, houses cheaply and fast, but with really crappy quality. And that trend has just persisted. We've been building houses the same way ever since, at least in North America. I know in Europe it's a little bit different. But um, yeah, there's just such an opportunity to, to use better materials. Yeah. And I, I personally went on a bit of an adventure recently looking at different uh, factory homes um, and like exploring the factories and exploring the people who make these modular homes. And it's funny, like it's a more efficient cost saving build process using generally the same materials, but building them all within a factory. There's less waste that way. But there's also a massive uh, gain in efficiency and cost savings, but that's never passed on to the consumer, hmm. I noticed. The prices are the exact same, even though the manufacturers are saving tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases. So I went and explored and, and asked these questions because of the uh, economies of scale of doing factory built homes and the, the potential for doing more sustainable types of buildings, doing hempcrete, doing timber framing. And it it surprised and disappointed me to find out how little people are innovating in that space and how much opportunity there, there is in that space, especially with cannabis and hemp being legalized all over the world right now. We've got this crop that's sustainable, that that is carbon negative, that absorbs carbon from the atmosphere, is good as a crop to grow. It's fast. Um, it doesn't pollute the environment. The, the farming practices don't have to be polluting or, or destructive to the environment. You can embed it into permaculture. Um, you can have it be you know integrated with like mushrooms and all kinds of other crops that you might use. And then you can use the bark from the hemp plant to, or from the cannabis, whatever it is. Uh, it's I guess industrial it's, hemp. Yeah, industrial yeah. hemp, thanks. And which they also use for CBD too. So yeah, you can use the inner core of that plant to basically make hemp bricks and then they're super fire resistant, super insulating, like they're great materials. Mm -hmm. And actually in, in British Columbia, where we live now, uh, it's super abundant. <laughs> like everyone's growing that stuff. Yeah, and adobe bricks are also um, another material that's been used for a long, long time. And those two combined are apparently a really cool building material. So hemp adobe blocks. And they're fireproof, they're earthquake proof, they breathe, they're mold resistant, you know, they're structurally sound and they're super cheap comparing to, you know, conventional building materials. So going along the lines of this, um, the research that we've been doing and, and how this project has come a lot more into focus for us in the last several months, almost a year now, I guess. Um, can you kind of unpack the idea of whole systems design mm -hmm. and why that's important? And there, there are kind of like eight pillars so far that we've uncovered that we think are really important. So let's start there and then we'll go through the rest of them. Yeah, whole systems design. It's, it's the idea that you would, uh, and it's funny because design is actually maybe not an accurate word because it's emergent. It's the idea of mimicking how nature does things. So nature doesn't have this, you know, grand master plan of exactly how it's going to do things, but it, it starts from a principle. Like the seed is the principle of a plant. And out of the seed, 
depending on the environmental conditions, the plant unfolds. And, you know, if you have the same seed and you put it in the shade or in the sun or you put it in rich soil or poor soil, you're going to get a different kind of plant or you're going to get a different outcome for the plant, but the type of plant is the same. So the principle is the same, but the outcome is different depending on the environment. So whole system design is the same idea that you would have these principles that are somewhat unchanging and they are emergent and adaptive and adaptive to the environment and over time and with the other agent, all the other agents that are interacting with it. Um, and they unfold into some sort of uh, system, living system. So whole system design is, you know, another way to call it is biomimicry or uh, indigenous thinking or uh, permaculture uses a lot of the same principles. There's different ways to call it, but it's all the same idea. It's designing the way that nature does it. And um, it's, it's really exciting for me to yeah. do this because it's different how from the way that, you know, cities are designed, say, in North America. And um, but there are examples of it um, in the world. For example, you can look at villages in Europe that have existed for thousands of years and they have changed over time and they have evolved. But there are certain principles that remain the same, that there's, you know, they're, um, there's kind of, they almost look like a cell if you look at it from aerial view. So there's, you know, certain functions in the center and then they branch out out of the center and they're, they're kind of layers of different functions around it and it grows around those central functions rather than being grid-like, for example. It's not built around cars, it's not built around industry, it's built around those essential functions of you know, humans cohabitating with nature. Let's talk about the community element um, and what the opportunities there are for mutual learning, for tool sharing, resource sharing, resource pooling, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's really exciting for me. Um, we touched on it before, you know, when, when you pull resources together, you can have different facilities in the community or you can have different tools um, that you don't necessarily need to own individually but uh, you just need access so it's shifting from ownership to access so for example one of the things we're going to do on our property is build a maker space mm -hmm. so that will include like i'm bringing all of my family's tools onto the property so saws and we're going to buy a 3d printer and get a cnc machine the goal hopefully is to be able to produce as much of go the goods that we need on the property as we can um, that also includes the the garden and the permaculture farm and everything but the hope is to be able to manufacture hempcrete blocks mm -hmm. if we can um, to be able to create our own furniture if we need using 3D printed or CNC'd uh, templates that we download from the internet. Um, we're also partnering with different kind of um, 3D designers and with educators to help people who come onto the community have, an access to, have access to libraries or educational materials so that they can design their own stuff and kind of open source it for the community. Yeah. So again, it's shifting mindset from consumer to producer, producer or co-creator. And it doesn't mean that each person has to be able to create all of their own stuff. But together, um, you know, each person can maybe specialize in a different aspect of the manufacturing. And together as a village, you know, we can make a lot of the stuff that we need. 
Another thing I'm super excited about with innovation and technology is what we can do with the economy there and how we can raise funds and template the ability to raise funds for other people wanting to start villages of their own. So, you know, we've been involved in the crypto industry, blockchain industry for a long time. We've done a lot of research. We've interviewed a lot of people in that space. We've always been super excited about the potential for crowdfunding, really grassroots projects, um, as well as decentralizing and, and distributing the decision making behind um, small and medium sized organizations. Um, another thing I'm super interested in is the idea of an expiring company or an expiring organization that has a job to do and then it, it completes that job and then disbands itself. So we want to experiment with these types of organizations on the property. And one thing I'm really excited about is the opportunity for young people to finally invest in real estate in an affordable way. So there is this opportunity to do fractional real estate investing using cryptocurrency. Mm. And how we would implement that is likely we would take, we would start a new company and that company's responsibility is to distribute shares of its, of the company to the investors who jump in and invest. And we can tokenize those shares using blockchain. So we can help, we can have people invest any amount of money into a, a building and then collect rent from that over time. And then the, with the expiring, that combined with the expiring corporation, we can eventually transfer the lease uh, agreement over to ownership to the person who's renting it. I don't know if that all makes sense, but it's like over time, you can basically rent to own your house and the investors can be happy because they're getting return on their investment. Um, they're getting an opportunity to invest in something that's tangible. And I know in the crypto industry, that's a beautiful thing because so much mm -hmm. of it is just vaporware. Mm -hmm. So there's finally this opportunity to put your crypto into a real tangible asset and yeah. do good for the world with it. Yeah. Um, one thing that you touched on that I want to expand on a little bit is an idea of exit to commons. Yeah. Uh, or and you know, some of these things we talk about are actually not new. They've been used, but just kind of in siloed industries or in other applications. And we're just taking these uh, business practices or, you know, best practices from different industries and putting them together. Mm -hmm. Really, I, I see us doing that or, you know, taking some way that things were done in pre-industrialized civilizations and adapting it to modern civilization. So, yeah, it, to me, the one of the most interesting things is that we're not inventing any of these components, we're just putting them together in a, in a creative way. Yeah, and exactly, yeah. So this exit to commons idea, um, there's a, a another way that it's called is build operate transfer agreement. So for example, when a, a company is formed to build a bridge and it has investors, it has you know a corporate structure and it has a purpose and that purpose is to build a bridge. Then once the bridge is built, the ownership is transferred maybe to the municipality. Um, and in our case, it would be the ownership would be transferred to the residents. So the, you know, right now the structure of our village is corporate, but that's for a reason because the corporate structure, at least in North America is the most easy structure to work with. Flexible. It's, it's flexible. It's convenient. It takes so much less time. Um, and it's, it's agile. And just the, the way that the system has been set up is it favors this type of structure. But the corporate structure is not intended to be forever. Its only purpose is to build something and then transfer the ownership to the community. 
Yeah. So we've got a few more things we need to talk about here. There's uh, we've touched on permaculture, but I think maybe like a brief introduction to the principles of permaculture, you know, closed loop systems, no waste, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So permaculture is often talked about in the context of farming or growing food. And um, that's probably the easiest way to describe it. Um, and that it's a way of planting plants and involving animals that mimics nature. Conventional farming doesn't do that. You know, row crops and using pesticides and using giant machines that trample the soil and separating the plants and the animals um, is the way that conventional agriculture is done. But it actually is, it horribly degrades soil over time. It reduces the nutritional value of um, the plants that you grow. And, you know, the way that animals are treated that are raised for commercial meat is, is really inhumane. And they're pumped full of hormones and full of chemicals. And it's just none of that food is healthy. Mm -hmm. um, permaculture does it differently. It's, you know, you arrange plants in groups rather than having monoculture. Um, you sometimes don't even till the land. You um, introduce different kinds of animals like chickens or pigs um, or uh, ducks that manage the soil, that manage the pests. Um, and you you create this little mini ecosystem that eventually over time you don't have to manage as much and you don't need these giant machines or pesticides because you're just doing it the way that nature does it. And the other benefit of this is that it sequesters carbon and reverses climate change. So the more healthy the soil is, the more carbon can be absorbed back into the system, the more oxygen can be produced from plants. Uh, like the whole thing is this, this idea of closing loops and, and making the environment healthier. So there are a few other uh, pillars here. We have transportation, which I'm really excited about, having an electric car sharing program, having you know electric bicycles so that you can bike through the property. Um, that stuff's pretty cool. Another one we've touched on already is housing. So having you know affordable, uh, sustainable, regenerative housing. And then the last thing is energy. So over time, we want to be producing as much of our own energy on the land as possible. And that specific area is actually quite good for uh, solar farming because the sun is so bright and so hot. Yeah, um, even though it's, you know, it's in Canada, so it gets very cold in the winter, um, that area particularly is quite sunny. So you have solar potential all year round. And also there are two creeks on the property, so you can do micro hydro as well. Um, and it's, it's good to have redundancy. So, you know, if for whatever reason you don't have solar output for a few days, you have the micro hydro to back it up. Um, yeah, one more thing that we kind of touched on in the community um, is education, but I'd like to expand on that a little bit. One of the very exciting things for me is doing different programs um, to, to introduce different concepts and practical applications and to have hands-on learning. And, um, you know, there's a lot of online courses these days or, you know, classroom education where people sit and learn something at a desk. But I think that hands-on applications are the best and you get to see how something actually functions. You get to make something um, and, you know, get to be outside preferably and meet other people and make friends. I just think that holistic approach to education is just so needed. Um, not just for adults, but for kids, for everyone, people of all ages. And that's the other thing. A lot of the time you have people of the same kind of cohort, the same age group, 
or um, the same profession or, you know, some other demographic group um, learning together. But I think it's actually important, really important to have cross-generational learning and cross-industry learning. So I'm really looking forward to having these programs that, um, you know, people of all ages and all, you know, backgrounds can come together and, and co-learn something, learn from, not just from of the facilitators, but also learn from each other and learn from doing. So you have multiple modes of learning at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also really excited about that. So before we wrap up here, there are a few more things we want to talk about to have to do with the mentality it takes to be on a place like this. Um, and I like to compare the mentality of you know, sovereignty and resiliency to the mentality that is required to be an entrepreneurship. Um, because it's a very difficult thing nowadays to go out, strike out on your own, take the risk, be brave enough to start something on your own from scratch. And that mentality is something we've encountered a lot in our travels throughout the world, throughout Southeast Asia and, and Europe, this like willingness of people who don't have a safety net to go out there and do something and build something. So this is something I think is required to be a part of a project like this. That you can't just wait for people to tell you what to do. This this entrepreneurial mentality has to be present. So we want to build in, you know, classes and, and workshops and help people start their own businesses and, and really encourage that entrepreneurial element. And with shared resources and shared knowledge and workshops and experts coming to the property all the time that opportunity is going to be really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you talk about entrepreneurship, one of the things that that produces is the constant um, reinvention of you know optimal business structure. And I think that's one of the reasons why previous eco-villages have failed so much, is that they didn't have a proper business structure, they didn't have proper organization, you know, good practices in place um, yeah, to actually carry the project through. I think they rely too much on the kind of human connection, maybe. Yeah, I think we've been kind of shit talking um, those types of like eco villages a lot in the past. And we tried to distance ourselves from it because, you know, what we've noticed is a lot of escapism, a lot of rejection of technology and corporate culture and all of this stuff, but too much of a blurry wholesale rejection of all of it without integrating. And that's a, a big thing that we want to focus on with our village is an integration of entrepreneurship and technology in, into culture in an appropriate way. This is all new stuff. You know, the new businesses, the new economy, the new way we're living in the world is not that old. We haven't culturally adapted to it yet. So trying to figure out how that works, how it blends in with our culture is a really important part. And that means we have to be willing to experiment and build things in and try things and and not reject things wholesale. Yeah, and instead to experiment, to see what to take and what to leave. Like, yeah, maybe some business structures, uh, it turns out that they're extractive and we shouldn't be using them. But other business practices might be just fine um, and they could be incorporated into a regenerative system. Uh, but we won't know those things until we try them and have small experiments running. Um, and this is another reason why it's so important to have this network of villages, because it's not possible to try all the things at the same time in one place. But when there are different villages around the world that are trying different things simultaneously and then sharing that information with each other and learning from each other and updating this kind of um, updating each other in real time on what's happening and, you know, saying like, oh, yeah, actually, we tried this. It really, it really doesn't work. Um, maybe don't try that or try it differently. 
Yeah. So we, we should talk about the three things that make smart villages or regenerative villages or eco villages fail. Yeah. So this is this idea comes from our colleague in Australia, Mike New. And uh, in his research, he's noticed that the kind of three main things that make eco villages fail is lack of professionalism, lack of funding and uh, toxic social dynamics. So the lack of professionalism is what I'm talking about, you know, unwillingness to incorporate technology or business structure or any kind of organizational principles into the village and just um, flying too much by the seat of their pants and not having any structure or having too flat of organizational structure, um, which, you know, in the long term doesn't carry the project through. The next thing is lack of funding, which I think this is sort of an interesting way that we're building in, in business structure into our specific property. So, you know, like we said, the initial reaction to the smart or to the golf course was to not even bother. But, you know, we need to have game A scaffolding to create game B dynamics. So there needs, while we're still in a capitalistic Western civilization, we still need to integrate funding and, and uh, business cycles and, and the ability to sell products and, and make money on the, the property or sell services and stuff like that. We're going to need funding. So I like this idea of a fairly sustainable, regenerative, serviced, property-based business model that brings in funding and lets us do more with the property. Mm -hmm. So the last part of this is community. And this is kind of funny and, and it's been the nature of this entire project from the very beginning, the synchronicities. It feels like our lives have been leading up the last 10 years to start exactly this project. We've put out two courses personally, and then we've had a, we've worked with a bunch of other instructor, instructors to add to a library of courses inside of our community that deal with subjects of shadow work, which is basically facing your fears, facing your unconscious biases, um, and trying to deal with your unconscious behavior so that you can be more conscious, more sovereign throughout your day. Um, we have a course on sovereignty, we have that shadow work course, and then we brought in a bunch of people to deal with kind of the ills of modern living and, and the kind of illnesses that modern living create for us. Mm. So this has been an area of expertise, com you know, creating community, um, helping people deal with unconsciousness and, and bring things out, not shying away from conflict, but actually like bringing that out in the community. Um, so I feel like we're uniquely kind of positioned to be able to teach this stuff, facilitate, you know, bring people through this process. And for that reason, we have been invited to Jim Rott's Proto-B community to work there, to help mentor, to receive mentorship. And this is another thing that we're really excited about is having more people from around the world start these types of projects in their own location and then share resources and share knowledge and share templates for how to build these types of projects. And eventually, like I have the same feeling, <laughs> this is funny, but I had the same, feeling about smart villages that I did when the iPhone first came out, when touch screens were first a thing. It's like, this is, I bought my, my first iPhone before they were exploded around the world and we'd seen how popular they were. I was like, this touchscreen game is gonna, this is gonna absolutely change the world. I felt the same thing about Tesla and the, the electric car. I feel that way about this and I'm not trying to self promote here. Like it feels like this is gonna be 
a new way that everyone's going to want to live in the future mm -hmm. when they see these things work for the first time. Yeah, and there's already this movement bubbling up of people trying to build these things all over the world. And we get contacted every day by people who are building or trying to start something similar um, in other places around the world. And I think we're just at the beginning of this. Uh, some people have called it a regenesance, like a renaissance of regenerative villages. Um, so it's really cool, you know, yeah. because I don't think it's possible uh, for just one of these villages to, to uh, you know, create this global change. It has to be this network and it has to be this, you know, people trying it in different permutations all, all over the world. Yeah. So before we close off here, um, I hope this was interesting for you guys. I hope you were able to pull something from it. Um, we're super excited about this. This is why we've been absent from the content world for a long time. We, um, we've raised a bunch of money. We're just about to purchase this property. We've got it under contract now, and we are super excited to host our first event, um, potentially this year, but for sure next year. And mm -hmm. we're gonna be involving uh, geocaching, treasure hunts, um, all kinds of crazy ideas, secret laboratory laboratories, keys to unlock layers of information and hidden laboratories and all kinds of stuff. We're going to go nuts. This is my chance to be a mad scientist for the first time. Yeah, my chance to be a crazy artist and have the yeah. interactive sculptures and, you know, hands-on experiences that integrate nature and yeah. yeah, super stoked about it. So if you are interested in being a part of this, um, right now we're pretty much only in the investment raising phase. We're not quite ready to just bring people on on a permanent basis, but there is like an 80 spot RV park there. So if you have an art, a recreational vehicle, or you have a camping van, or you just have a tent and you wanna come for a visit, you can do that. There is a spot and you'll be supporting the, the project with, your, you know, with the fees to rent a space there. Um, you can go for a, a golf if you want. You can join the events that we're going to do. Yeah, and um, there's like, a, we didn't even mention this, but the property is located just at the entrance of a beautiful provincial park that has 40 waterfalls and, you know, millions of miles of trails for hiking and snowmobiling in the winter and, you know, horseback riding and whatever kind of um, mm -hmm. vehicle that you actually, yeah, no motorized vehicles. Yeah, I forgot about that. No motorized vehicles, but you can go hunting or... If, uh, you can go hiking or you can go horseback riding there. Yeah. 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 And there are actually horse corrals and horse trails on the property. So you can go through and check out the property on horseback, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, right now, like I said, we're in investment phase. That's kind of the priority for us right now is mm -hmm. to just raise the last little bit of money that we need to get this up and running. It has a good revenue stream currently. Mm -hmm. I mean, the golf course has been around for since the 60s. It has a packed RV campsite every year. Um, there is just so much opportunity at this place. And if you are interested in investing in it, you can contact us to get a one pager um, and the investment slideshow. I think it's about 40 slides that so gives more information. You've probably in this video seen a handful of those slides, but you can dive in at your own pace and check it out. We're hoping to get the rest of the funding within another month. Um, and then we will be moving onto the property at the beginning of July. Yeah. And then the first year, we're just going to focus on servicing RV spots that aren't serviced, learning how to run a golf course. Uh, my family is going to move on and handle a lot of that. UV and I are going to focus on the village aspect and the makerspace and content creation and stuff like that. 
Um, so yeah, it's got a proven revenue model. It has a track record of revenue. Mm -hmm. And then you'll also be investing into this awesome project that's hoping to change the world and change the way people live all over the world and create templates for other people to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's a cool project. You will also get a bunch of investor perks as well. You'll be able to stay in an RV spot as much as you want. For free? You can do, yep, for free. You can do um, unlimited golfing if you're into that. A um, bunch of other things. Uh, you can check all of that out at futurethinkers.org slash invest. And that's it for this episode. Looking forward to talk to you guys in person at some point in the near future. And um, yeah, we'll see you there. All right, that's it for this episode. If you're interested in investing in the Smart Village, go to futurethinkers.org slash invest for more info. And if you want to attend the Rebuild Online Festival for Regenerative and Smart Village Builders, register at futurethinkers.org slash rebuild. Use the code FUTUREThinkers as one word in all caps at checkout to get 10% off. Register soon so you don't miss out. If you like this content, you might want to check out our seven ways to adapt to the future guidebook. Get it for free at futurethinkers.org slash sign up. You might also want to check out our Future Thinkers membership area. We have courses there to help you adapt to the changing world, build resilience, upgrade culture and society, and create meaning and purpose in your life. As well, you'll get access to our community, all of our unreleased content, private Zoom calls, live Q&As with guests, workshops and events, and more. Just go to members.futurethinkers.org. And if you enjoyed this video, please like, share, and comment. It really helps out our show more than you know. And if you want more like it, then subscribe and hit that bell icon to be notified of new videos. See you next time.